Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpayingdoctor.com. They're live, local, and talking about the stories that matter to you. Share your opinions with Mark and Melinda at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Mark and Melinda. We are discussing a proposal out of the U.S. Congress. Democrats are proposing a test program that would run for three years. They want to select homeless people who are younger than 30 and give each of them $1,400 of direct cash assistance per month every month for three straight years. They say they'll then have experts study the results of the program. One of the sponsors is Democrat Rashid Talib of Michigan. She says what we're trying right now is failing. It is not working, and we cannot keep repeating the same failed policies. We have to find new, bold, brilliant ways to lift up young homeless Americans. 512-836-0590. Doc is with us at 504. Good afternoon, Doc. How are you? Good afternoon, y'all. How are you doing? Fine, Doc. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. So regarding this, yet another program from the Democrats, wanting more money to give it away and try to solve the problems of the world, and they say they need data, they need to study it, so it's 36 months at $1,400 a month times however many millions of these homeless young people they're talking about. Do the math real quick. They need data. Baloney! Let's hold our hands together and call BS on these Dems one more time. They're so (laughs) dense. (laughs) Thank you, Doc. (laughs) Well, that pretty well sums it up, I think, doesn't it? Just cut right to the chase. Thank you, Doc. 512-836-0590. You cannot argue with him, though. No, you can't. And it makes you wonder, too, when she's she's basically saying all the other programs, San Francisco, Austin, pick your city, who have tried to deal with the homeless problems are totally ineffective. So let's just lurch to the other extreme. Let's just go, you know, let the pendulum swing the other way and just start giving away cash. If we tried everything else, now let's just start giving away cash. How ridiculous. She's saying uh, the problem is they're not getting enough cash. That's what's holding them back. <laughs> yeah. They they need the cash every month. And so she is proposing to change that equation. $1,400 per month every month for three years. It's just, you know, a liberal mindset that says just give away money with no parameters, no fence around it, no rules of any kind, no expectations or of consequences as to what you're going to do with the money. It's just ridiculous. 505, let's get John from Cedar Park into the mix here. John, how are you this afternoon? Doing great. I thank you for having a great, hosting a great uh, show, you guys. Thank you, John. Uh, Welcome aboard. What are your thoughts on this proposal? Well, you know, given that it is an election year and mm-hmm. uh, Democrats are not having a lot of uh, good things on the table to, to win the election, I'm pretty sure they, they're trying to win votes by doing this just as they did with uh, uh, forgiveness forgiving of uh, debts for student loans. And also, the other thing is, uh, this is, I think, it, 
a a a result of all the money that was given away during the pandemic to people not to work. Uh, so that kind of generated this uh, mentality of entitlement that the government will take care of me. I don't need to go to work, and mm-hmm. and that that everybody. But I'm pretty sure that uh, that was part, you know, cost in effect of what is happening today. People say, well, you know, if the government can give me money. Why will I go to work? So, and, but to me, it's more like a voting, uh, trying to win votes. Uh, I hope they, uh, the, the Republican has the, well, the backbone to, you know, stand up the ground and do what is right for the country. Hi, John, what do you think uh, these homeless would do with the $1,400 per month every month? How would they spend what they, it? What are they doing right now? Whatever they're doing right now, which is not working, which is either for drugs or entertainment or, or, or alcohol, there's no way to police that. There's no way to, to control that. And, and other people on call have said, unless they, if they really, really were thinking about them, they will create a program that will help them get out of it, not just throw money out of it. Because mm-hmm. that's just another way to buy boats. That, that's all it is. John, and, uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it, John. Thank you. Have a good evening. 512-836-0590. I understand where he's coming from about the buying the votes part. I mean, maybe if it's just so she can hold up the banner to her leftist constituents and say, look what I'm trying to do for the, the poorest among us. But a lot of these homeless people, they're not voting. It's not buying their votes, mm-hmm. right? I mean, she can point to this and say, look what I'm trying to do to better society, and maybe get votes that way, but the, the, the recipients of this money seems to me are not going to be the ones lined up at the at the polling places on election day. KXAN is reporting that an Austin Independent School District employee who had three young girls in the car with him was arrested on a drunk driving charge on Sunday, and because he had minors younger than fifteen in the car with him, it is a felony charge. He is a 37-year-old physical education teacher's assistant at Summit Elementary School. He was arrested Sunday around 2 o'clock in Comal County. They're in the New Braunfels area when other people driving on I-35 called 911 and said, you got to get this guy pulled over. He's all over the place. He's dangerous. Cops did pull him over. They gave him a field sobriety test. They say he flunked. They took him in. And then police called the family members of the three girls who were in the car with this guy. The girls are 9, 11, and 11 years old. So many things wrong with this story, Mark. Obviously, a guy's driving drunk, and that's a huge problem in and of itself. How these young girls were in the car with this guy is just unconscionable from a parent's standpoint. And I'd, I'd love to know what's going on with the investigation and learn more about how was it that they were, were they kidnapped? I don't suppose so, or that would have been a part of this story, surely. So you're trying to tell us that this guy had the approval to have these young girls in the car with him for whatever reason and where they were going, and who knows how this story might have ended up if we hadn't seen this situation develop about a DUI. Yeah, Kenny's bringing up a lot of very important questions for this story, and they're not addressed in the story. Uh, Why did the parents turn these daughters over to this guy to be with him out of town on a Sunday afternoon, and he ends up drunk driving with them in the car. What about the AISD? 
Are they aware that this guy was doing this with these girls? Are these girls students at Summit Elementary School? Yeah. How did how did a physical education teacher's assistant set this whole thing up? How did he communicate with the girls and the parents? And he ended up driving them, apparently, to San Antonio, and they were on the way back when he was arrested for drunk driving. Right. How long were they with this guy, presumably? for a fair amount of time on this Sunday. Had to have been if they took a trip to San Antonio, spent whatever amount of time there, and then on the way back. So KXAN says this guy has a prior record. Euless police in the Dallas-Fort Worth area arrested him in 2008 for drunk driving. He pleaded guilty to a Class B misdemeanor. Hmm. It's not his first rodeo. Did the parents know about that by any chance? (laughs) I mean, there's just so many questions here for the parents or whomever's responsible for these young girls. All right, 512-836-0590. You can weigh in with your thoughts on that story. Rick is weighing in on this proposal by some Democrats in Congress to give young homeless people $1,400 a month every month for three years and then study to see what they do with the money. Rick, welcome. How are you this afternoon? Hey, gents. Thanks for having a great show as always. Thank you, sir. Uh, Welcome. Why doesn't anybody on the Democratic side, let's get, get these people to work. Let's find programs to find them jobs, teach them skills, apprenticeships, and, and say, hey, you want to get out of homeless, we're helping you up. We're not just going to give you everything you want. Mm-hmm. You know, teach them something. Get the parks cleaned up. Get the roads done. Get all these things that have been on agendas for years. Get them done by putting them back to work. Yeah, that, Isn't that how we got out of the Great Depression, by putting people back to work on all these big projects? Yeah. Your idea does not seem to cross the mind of some of these members of Congress as, as an option. Oh, no. They just, they just want to give everything to everybody and win the votes, and, and that's it. And I think people are getting smart now, and they're saying, no more. We're tired of it. Yes, uh, people are really worn out by all of it. Rick, thank you. You have a good evening. 512-836-0590. It's 513 at KLBJ. Tigers here producing. Kenny Romeyer is filling in today for Melinda. She will be back tomorrow. Ken is with us at 518. Hello, Ken. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing today? Hey, we're doing very well. Thank you. Welcome. Hey, I just wanted to bring up that, uh, you know, the military announced today that they're 24,000 people short for the United States Army. We have police departments with mass shortages. We have nursing uh, that's got hundreds of thousands of uh, nurse shortages. So why don't we get these people educated and uh, move them into some positions that we can't fill right now instead of giving them $1,500 a month? All that's going to do is go into the alcohol industry, into illegal drugs, uh, which is a lot of these people's problems. And it's uh, uh, pretty simple to me. We have uh, a lot of shortages. Let's fill them with these, with these folks and get them off drugs and try to get them into a job. Yeah, uh, it's going to be money down the drain, so to speak, isn't it, Ken? Uh, it is. Yeah, and what you're describing yeah. is something that will help lift them out permanently from their predicament and give them some dignity with a good job. Absolutely. You know, the city of Austin is great at wasting money, so why not the Democrats up there in Washington, D.C.? But, you know, if people want to donate money and give money to a good cause, Community First, out in uh, East Austin, 
houses homeless people all the time. They do a phenomenal job. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing, amazing how the private industry does such a fantastic job out in East Austin, but the city of Austin continues to waste millions and millions of dollars every year. Yeah, and these uh, members of Congress seem to be in the the group that believes the federal government can and should address every problem and solve it, well, and always spending money is the answer. Well, you know, if they want to spend a little money, do it on jobs training, but just don't give it to them to use for illegal drugs and alcohol. You're inviting trouble, aren't you? You really are. We've seen it in Austin for all these years, and I've talked about it before many times. The city of Austin just continues to waste money on the homeless. Ken, good to hear from you. Have a nice evening. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. 512-836-0590. President Biden said Israel has agreed to halt the war in Gaza during Ramadan if Hamas releases hostages. The Wall Street Journal says Israeli officials say they're surprised. They have not agreed to anything. The president's remarks were also met with skepticism from Qatar and Egypt. They've been involved in some of the negotiations. Mm -hmm. And even Hamas says, we haven't agreed to anything. This was a surprise, it seems like, Mark, to to all the stakeholders here. Hamas, of Israel certainly, and then all of those who've been trying to facilitate the the, the peace talks here. And so it just kind of comes back to Mr. Foreign Policy Expert, right? This is the guy. That's why he was supposed to be elected. He had all these years of deep foreign policy expertise. And so he's out there on the couch on one of the Yuck Yuck shows with Seth talking about foreign policy and just lobbing it out there that I hope to have something together. He's eating the ice cream. Hope I have something together by the weekend or by Monday. Yeah, he says uh, by Monday this could be agreed upon. Hamas would release 40 hostages. Israel would release hundreds of Palestinian prisoners. And Israel would agree to halt combat operations in Gaza during Ramadan, which runs for a month starting on March 10th. Yeah, so many components of this that you know Israel, Netanyahu's not interested in that piece of it. And we can't overlook, Mark, the, the posturing of the president on this from a political standpoint, knowing that Michigan today is uh, is a primary and he's he's uh, you know got a serious hit to the battleship there in terms of his voting blocks. The Arab Americans are against him, many of them there, and he's trying to shore that up. So I guess this is one way to do it. Yeah, he, he said this last night. So Israel says, we don't know anything about this. We're not on board. Hamas denies being ready to agree to this, but Kenny's right. Today is the Michigan primary, and as we've been telling you here on the Mark and Melinda show, there are Muslims and Arab American voters in Michigan who are trying to get Democrats to vote uncommitted as a protest against Biden. They want him to call for an immediate ceasefire, really scale back U.S. support for Israel and Gaza in this war with the terrorists, And they're hoping to convince as many people as possible to vote uncommitted in that primary today. So skeptics are saying Biden made this announcement last night to try to halt the damage, so to speak, in the voting in Michigan today. Yeah, just throw something out there, get past Election Day, and then if the deal doesn't materialize on down the road, oh well, he's got the votes, hopefully. The report says, Mark, 75% are, are committed to voting with Biden, 10 to 20%, maybe not. I mean, let's face it, realistically, 
so many of those people are not going to vote for Trump if they're just trying to stall right now and trying to uh, put a little fear, uncertainty, and doubt in the minds of the president and his team. They're going to come around. It seems like it's a lot of bluster to me. Nine percent say they plan to vote uncommitted, according to an Emerson College poll of Democratic primary voters just a few days ago. Nine percent political experts say you'd need to see 15 percent or more vote uncommitted before it really had a meaningful effect on things. And I don't want to downplay in an election where every vote is going to count and there could be some very slim margins, especially in some of these key swing states. Every vote counts, but it just seems like to me in the primary stage here, um, I'm not convinced that uh, they may make a statement this time around, but when it comes November, I got to think most of them are going to be there for him. We told you last week, according to the Texas Scorecard, that some parents who have students at Rouse High School in the Leander School District were angry that it took the leadership of Rouse High School days to let them know that a teacher had been placed on leave as the teacher was under investigation for an inappropriate relationship with a student at the high school. Some parents were livid over the delay in informing them. Now, this afternoon, KXAN and others are reporting that a coach at the high school has been charged with sexual assault of a minor and has been booked into jail from, this is a coach from Rouse High School. And uh, the, the story indicates this is the same situation where a teacher was put on leave and removed for uh, a possible inappropriate relationship, as they called it, with a student. Seems to me the school board really owes some parents some answers here then. I mean, this is, uh, it's not just a one-off, obviously. There's problems in that district. Yes, and we heard that from numerous callers last week who have kids in the Leander district. Uh, Several of them said, we have kids at Rouse. Some had kids at others. They were really upset about the lack of communication or delayed communication. And in this day and age, my goodness, that communication is so critical. And in these kinds of situations where at least help the parents understand what kind of vetting process do you have here? How, how, how closely are you keeping track of what staff is doing on a day-to-day basis around there? We also have a story out of California where it says at Beverly Hills Middle School, Somebody took photos of students at the middle school, headshots, and then used AI to attach those heads to naked bodies and then distributed all of these AI-generated nude photos of kids at the school on social media. And chaos has erupted, turmoil, and parents are furious, they're livid, and so they're trying to figure out who started all of this, Kenny. Trying to not make many predictions, Mark, but sadly, we're going to see more and more of these kinds of stories as the AI technology becomes so much more prevalent and pervasive. As always, the technology gets ahead of the laws and the rules to, to regulate this stuff, but you got to really crack down on the offenders here, those who are abusing and misusing these tools. Uh, this story says this is happening at other schools across America. In this case, it was a middle school. Others uh, say this has happened at high schools. Evelyn Kruger is one of these middle school students at California's Beverly Hills Middle School. Girls are being called out one by one, and there's always that fear, like, am I going to be next? Am I going to be called in? Sure, it might be animated. Sure, a lot of them may look unrealistic, but there are a couple that look real. 
And think what impact that has on these young girls at that age. I mean, we can only imagine. And we were just talking yesterday on the show about all the 12 to 17-year-old girls on antidepressants. Right, and the ills of social media and the downside of social media. 512-836-0590. It's Mark and Kenny with you. 527 at KLBJ. And now back to the Mark and Melinda Show. Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. Kenny and I want to know if you believe that the jury in this story arrived at the proper conclusion and made the proper decision in this case. Here's the story. 43-year-old professor Dr. Spring Chinoa Cooper says that She had a romance with her boyfriend, and she gave him numerous nude photos and nude videos. Really gave him a lot of them. Then they broke up, and that's when her nightmare started. He began sharing the nude photos and videos on social media. She filed a criminal complaint against him and sued him in civil court. She is now victorious in civil court. The jury has decided that the ex-boyfriend must pay Dr. Cooper $30 million in this revenge porn case. It's believed to be the largest jury award ever in the state of New York in a revenge porn case, and maybe one of the biggest in the United States. $30 million is what the ex-boyfriend has been ordered to pay to this college professor, his ex-girlfriend in New York City. Yeah, she's claiming moral victory here, Mark, that it's a huge dollar amount. She says she knows she's never going to get that kind of money from him, but she's at least making the point there ought to be consequences. Well, not the right kind of consequences. This guy deserves some jail time, seems to me, for such an outrageous uh, thing that he did to her. In terms of judgment, I think it was poor judgment on her part to have – taken the pictures and or shared the pictures with this guy. She says she thought she really knew him. Well, apparently not. And she put her trust in the wrong guy. And then for him to to share the data, to assign her the personal information to it, and that that's just beyond the pale. And this guy should have been hammered far more than uh, an exorbitant dollar amount that he'll never be able to pay off. The professor says on some occasions he would include where she works, her name, her contact information overall. In addition to the nude photos and videos, she says she worked tirelessly with different social media platforms to get them to take down the content, but he was relentless. It was a flood of nude photos and videos that just kept appearing over and over and over. Right. And now this jury says we award her $30 million dollars. Here are the numbers, 512-836-0590. We would like to hear your thoughts on this. Some people are in the camp that say once that she sent those photos to him, all bets are off. Yeah. He can do whatever he wants with those photos. Right. Uh, other people say, no, 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 this is illegal. New York lawmakers created a law against revenge porn Clearly, he was wrong for going down this path. Right. This had to have been and still is a living nightmare for her. I mean, what a jerk. We can't even describe what a jerk he is for doing all the the stuff that he did with the pictures. It's got to come back to some personal accountability here, ma'am. You really made the bad call here by sharing that kind of data with the wrong person. I'm really sorry about that, but that you got to look at at what you did in this. How about— 
not sharing it with anybody. Well, period. Sure. Just start with that. That's that's the right way Don't to go. Share nude photos and videos with anyone. But as we brought this up earlier today, Mark, and some of these texts coming in, I mean, somebody said, "Well, that's why you don't show your face in these kind of pictures." It's like giving her coaching on, "Yeah, you can do it. Just don't show the face." You know, come on, just don't so do it. So that it, that texture is suggesting she had a role to play in this. Uh, when when she released those videos to him, I I took that to say, well, it's okay to do it. Just don't show your face, right? She's given her coaching on how to show hmm. and share these kinds of pictures. All right, five one two eight three six zero five ninety. Did the jury reach the right conclusion in this case? Do you agree? Uh, is that amount something that you think is appropriate? Five one two eight three six zero five ninety. She also filed a criminal complaint against the ex-boyfriend. He pleaded guilty in that one to a misdemeanor. It's called disclosure of an intimate image. He was given zero jail time, and he was ordered to take 26 weeks of counseling for abusive behavior against partners. See, I don't get that. Talk about getting off light in a criminal case. I mean, that's, uh, he really got a pass there. And then she went on civilly and tried to hammer him that way. But for there not to have been any more severe penalties on a criminal case in that, well, what, what message is the justice system sending to society in that situation? State Attorney General Ken Paxton is now filing a legal case against a bar in San Antonio that he says is breaking state law. They're not allowing off-duty law enforcement to bring their gun into the bar. And he cites two specific cases. Paxton is seeking a financial fine against the Lucky Duck Bar in San Antonio. He says the first case happened in 2022. San Antonio police officer Joel Zulieka was not allowed to bring his gun into the bar. Zulieka says he even went as far to show the bar staff the Texas Code of Criminal Procedure that says bars serving the public may not prohibit a peace officer from carrying an authorized weapon on the premises. But the bar would not back down and they would not let this off-duty police officer in San Antonio bring his gun into the bar. Yeah, so there's something missing here because the story says in an email, they say they never denied a peace officer due to them carrying a gun. Well, the charges say otherwise. The Paxton, the attorney general, obviously is on the right side of this one in terms of how the law reads. And so this this bar is uh, is really out of luck on this one. Paxton says in case number two, The Lucky Duck denied the Jordanton police chief, Eric Kaiser, to bring his gun into the bar. He, his wife, and two friends were trying to get into the bar for a New Year's Eve party. Uh, Kaiser and his guests were not allowed in, and the bar told him, you have just forfeited the $300 you prepaid us for your reservation for the party on New Year's Eve. Isn't that that's a big part of this. I, I can't understand. Why would a bar want to just pile on the, the war on cops in a situation like that to say, you know, we're going to take your 300 bucks, pal, and we're not going to follow the law. No thanks to you whatsoever for being a peace officer, I suppose. Forget that part. Here are the numbers. We'd like to get your thoughts on this case. 512-836-0590. Attorney General Paxton wants a court order against the Lucky Duck Bar. 
saying they will not prohibit off-duty police officers who can legally carry their firearm into a bar that they will not block them in the future, and he wants a financial penalty levied on the bar. It's just hard to understand the motive of this bar. If, in fact, they've done this, why would they have that kind of an agenda? It's just what's up with that? It's just hard to know. A couple of questions for you, those of you who are in law enforcement or have been. This story does not indicate how the bar knew these law enforcement officers were carrying a firearm. It's just not addressed in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's important information. I'd like to know. Yeah. Uh, is it customary for off-duty officers if they want to go to a bar? Generally, is it concealed under a jacket or something like that? Or are there occasions where it's in plain sight so that the staff at the bar would see it? 512-836-0590. You can just address that point, call or text to weigh in. It's hard to know if you're off duty, but you're still obviously allowed to carry. And so you just, you have one in your, in your holster there and it's in plain sight, or you would think a lot of them would have some kind of coat on, right? A sport coat or something mm-hmm. that's got it concealed in, in some way, but that's hard to know out of this story, at least of what the common practice is there. Don't yeah, know. They just don't address it. This is the San Antonio Express News. Uh, and in one case, it was New Year's Eve. So it's going to be at least chilly on that night. Yeah. Uh, the other one was in the summertime, July 10th of 2022. And what would be wrong with having a law enforcement officer with a gun on your premises on a New Year's Eve, for example? Uh, let's go to Joe in Round Rock. It's 540. Joe, welcome to KLBJ. How are you, Joe? I'm doing good, Mark. Yes. Um, my point is, I've taken a concealed carry class, and they, in the class it says you cannot carry your weapon inside a bar if you're drinking. So that's why I'm feeling that the Lucky Duck denied them access, because they were not on duty, they are not providing security, they were there to drink, which would be against the law for them to carry their weapon in the bar if you're drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that could be the case. Uh, it says the first officer, who's a San Antonio PD officer, says that he actually showed them the Texas Code of Criminal Procedure and argued with them that the bar was wrong and he was in the right. Well, he's arguing that they can't stop him from going in there probably on duty with his weapon. But it doesn't say anything about off-duty and if he's drinking, because that would be a different penal code. But if he's not drinking, what's the issue then, right? Right, but they can't determine that at the door. Especially on New Year's Eve. All right, uh, Joe, thank you. you. You have a good evening. We appreciate it. He was breaking up a little bit there, yeah. getting a little bit difficult to ascertain what he was saying. Uh, Craig is with us in South Austin. Hello, Craig. Welcome to KLBJ. Hello, gentlemen. I just want to give you intel on what we do. I'm a cop, and what we always do is you always carry your weapon because you never know what's going to happen. The old thought is people who have a a vengeance against you, but you always have to have your weapon. Okay. Even in court where they say, do you carry your weapon everywhere? And if you say no, then they go, well, why did you carry it here? Did you know it's dangerous? And you put yourself in jeopardy by going there. So... The rule of thumb is you're always a police officer, so you should always carry your weapon. Now, addressing the bar, 
we always keep it under wraps because you don't want to give away that. If they ask, you tell them. Because even at minor league baseball games, they have a rule that they don't want you to have a weapon, even if you're a cop. I'm thinking, no, I think there's a law that allows us to do that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but we never display our weapons and we never display our badge because we're there off duty. We're not in our capacity, but you're always a police officer. So you always keep it under wraps. So I just want to give you that input. Craig, uh, how do you think the bar knew they were carrying? Well, the only thing I can guess is if they had their badge on their on their belt, um, and then maybe it flashed. I, I no telling. But again, the last thing you want to do is disarm the one individual who could stop some tragedy from happening. So I'm not sure I understand why they felt like. They're safer with cops without weapons. Yeah. You talk about your... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. You talk about your being an officer 24-7. Are you required to carry your service revolver at all times, even when you're off duty? Well, here's the thing, and this is what defense attorneys or prosecutors, for that matter, and that's what I was trying to say earlier. As a cop, you... It gets tiresome to carry your weapon everywhere because it's bulky or to, well, it depends on what weapon you carry. Yeah. But if, if you can't say that you carry your weapon everywhere, that attorney will then jump on it and go, if you have a, an incident where you have to use your weapon or hopefully not shoot someone, but if you do, they're going to try to place it on you. Well, why did you go there if you knew it was dangerous? Because you put your weapon on, but you must have known it was dangerous. So really, my client shouldn't have been shot by you if you just wouldn't have gone there with her weapon. I don't know if you followed my, I don't mm. know if I said that right, but they're thinking, if you don't carry it everywhere, you just carry it where you think it's dangerous. Well, then why would you go there off duty if it's dangerous? You I know? see. Yeah. That's their thinking. It's trying to flip the tables on the cops as to we're responsible for the death of the guy who pulled a weapon on you and you shot him to protect you. They try to flip the tables on you. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. Craig, thank you. So that's why we carry it all the time. Okay. Thank y'all. No, that makes sense. Thank you. Have a good evening, Craig. We appreciate it, sir. 512-836-0590. It's 545 with Mark and Kenny. And now, back to The Mark and Melinda Show. Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. Tigers here producing. It's 548. We hope you're having an excellent afternoon. Wendy says it's going to test out surge pricing at some of its locations. They're investing in artificial intelligence, and they say that they are going to test this out. Uh, They're not giving very many details on exactly how this will work, but they say overall they think it's, it's going to be good for consumers. Yeah, I don't see that, Mark. I got to say, I've, you know, a lot of people that are going to go to the fast food restaurants, they are cost conscious customers. I would think they'd be reluctant to just play roulette with the hamburger pricing, depending on what time of day they go. I mean, they're talking about they're going to experiment with various day parts. So does that imply that during the, the noon and the evening rush hours, dinner hours and that, that that's when the prices are going to go up? That, I mean, would, I, that would be my conclusion. Right. I, I drive over there and I see a long line at the drive through Ooh, I'm not going through that line. The prices are higher. Well, yeah, that's, that's what I don't get. How do they think that's going to 
be acceptable or attract more business when the word gets around, don't go during those times of day. That's when the prices are higher. And the other part of this is they don't say that there's going to be a floor or how low you're going to let the prices go, right? You might think, well, maybe they're trying to get a hook out there that, that our prices are better. It just depends on what time of day and maybe get some people coming in to think they're going to get a better deal. Mm-hmm. But I, it, it, when I saw they're spending $20 million on these digital menu boards, I thought, yeah, somebody went out and did that, and now they're trying to figure out how to use the flexibility of those digital menu boards, and they backed into this strategy. I I don't see how this is a good way to go. 512-836-0590. We told you yesterday President Biden is going to Brownsville Thursday, and today NBC News has a story reporting on how Biden and his team decided that trip to Brownsville would be a positive move for the president Mm -hmm. and would benefit the president's polling numbers. And part of the story says that President Biden is now convinced that he has the momentum in this debate over border policy. And it's the Republicans who are on defensive. They're the ones on their heels that the public will soon start shifting to back Biden because he believes the Republicans made a critical error in turning down that Senate proposed bid for money for the border and other measures. I just I have such a hard time seeing this, Mark, and to think his people are talking about we welcome the split screen. Trump, I suppose, on the one hand, you know what his talking points are going to be. And then the Biden, I guess, ripping the Republicans because they didn't pass this most recent deal that uh, came in front of them there in the legislature or in, the, in Congress. But to think that's going to absolve him and his people and his strategy the last three and a half years, I just don't see how he and they, his handlers, think that's the winning hand. He and his team are set on this strategy from now until Election Day to claim Biden is the one who's tough on the border. It's Trump and the Republicans who are weak. It's just it's so hard. to. I can see the commercials now for the Republican Party just showing the streams of people coming across the border every day, every day, and everybody in the administration talking about how the border is secure and the busloads of migrants being dumped off in the big cities, Denver, Chicago, New York City, and the mayors are pleading for more federal help to deal with all this. <laughs> how does that add up to a winning hand or, or to, uh, to the advantage? I don't get it. NBC says last week when President Biden was meeting at the White House with all of the governors, In a closed session, the topic of the border came up over and over and over again, and Democratic governors in particular were pressing President Biden, please do something to tighten down on the border. Several of them encouraged President Biden to write executive orders to try to shut off the flow of illegal immigrants. They said, even if you get sued over it, please go ahead and do it, Mr. President. Well, that's one of the strategies they think is this might get bottled up in the courts and he could just say, see, I tried and it never really goes anywhere. But how do you wrap the talking points around doing something? That's pretty much a 180 from what you've done the last three and a half years and a 180 from what you did the very first day or two that you were sworn in. What's missing from this NBC report? How Biden answered the governors who are imploring him, beseeching him to issue executive orders. Mm -hmm. We don't know. Yeah. He said something to them, but they have left it out of this story. Right. So is that we get a sneak preview then on Thursday of that, or are we going to have to wait till the uh, 
uh, the big speech before Congress, State of the Union message here in a week or so. Here's Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick today talking about President Biden's border policy. What the hell did the president think was going to happen when you let 10 million people, criminals, potential terrorists, rapists, murderers, gang members mm. cross the border? What did he think? This is all due to their policies. It was by design. It was unleashed on the day he was sworn into office. Here's more from Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. He obviously has a cold heart. He's got a cold heart for all of these deaths that he's seen over these years. I don't know how he looks in the mirror. And he's coming to Brownsville on Thursday. Like, mm-hmm. thank you for showing up now after all these people have died. He doesn't care. This is all about the politics of the future. They want millions to come here, become citizens, then voters, so they can control the country. And they don't care. It's obvious they don't care who dies to meet those goals. Even New York City Mayor Eric Adams today is saying we need to change our sanctuary city policy. Some of these violent, illegal immigrants need to be deported. We should be working with the federal government. Those small numbers that are committing crimes, we need to modify the, uh, the sanctuary city law that if you commit a felony, a violent act, we should be able to turn you over to ICE and have you deported. It is a right to live in this city, and you should be, you should be not committing crimes in our city and doing so. Right now, we don't have the authority to do so. And to hear this kind of stuff, it just begs the question, well, why, sir, were you so right for so many weeks and months, but now you've done a total 180, and now you're right? That implies you were wrong all those other times, doesn't it? That'll do it for today. We're here every weekday, 2 to 6, live and local. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you, Mark. Enjoyed it. Yes, sir. Tiger and Kyle, great job producing. We hope you have an excellent evening. The news is coming up next. Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com.